0: Today's message has the longest title in the history of New Life Christian Ministries. Here it is God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church. So, if you're watching online or you're here for the first time, let me give you a little background. We're in a series that's going to last for an entire year called Experiencing God Unreserved, as you saw in the bump video. And what that means is we want to experience God all in. We want Jesus to be first in our life. We want to seek him first, his kingdom first. We want to know what it means to, in every area of our life, thoughts, words, and actions, put Him first. And now we're in a sub-series, it's a seven-week series called Experiencing God, in which we're learning about seven realities that will allow us to experience God in our lives. And this week, we're in the exact middle, week four, and weeks four um, reality is God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church. Now, if you're here for the first time, or maybe you've missed the past couple of weeks, uh, let me tell you what the first three realities are. It'll make a lot more ex- sense When we come to this fourth one, if you know what the first three are, the first one is that God is always at work around you. God is always at work around you. The second reality is that God invites or pursues a continuing love relationship with you that's real and personal. God is a personal being. And then third, as we talked about last week, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. So these first three realities assume this. I'm going to sum it up in one sentence. God is always active, and because he loves us, he calls us to join him in his activity. God is always active, and because he loves us, he invites us to join him in his activity. That's a really incredible thing. If you know anything about the history of humanity, you realize that we haven't been very good at receiving God's invitation and working with him. In fact, the very first two human beings, Adam and Eve, rejected God's leadership. They rebelled against his plan, and they decided they wanted to be in charge. Biblical scholars call that the fall, and the reason it's called the fall is because human beings fell out of relationship with God, and everything really has been sort of downhill since then, except for one thing, and that is God still loves us. God didn't reject us when we rejected Him. God still wants to be in relationship with us. And so down through the ages, God has done many different things to demonstrate that He still cares about us, He still loves us, and He still wants us to know Him and to follow Him. And the clearest thing that He ever did was to send His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came as a human being. He lived the only perfect life that's ever been lived. He taught us the ways of God, and then he willingly gave up his life on the cross, as we just talked about, and he rose from the dead, returned to heaven, and sent his spirit to the church. So throughout time, God has continued to work for our good, and what we're going to talk about today is how important it is to do that work and and to hear from God so that we'll know what to do. So what is God's work? We talked about it last week. It's the primary nature of God's work is to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus. And as we said last week, the work that he gives us to do is to be ambassadors. We get to represent the kingdom of God, Jesus himself, to the world. We get to appeal to people in our own communities, in our region, our nation, to the very ends of the earth, to know the love of God and the truth of God, and to live it out in their lives when we really grab a hold of that, when we really get it, that that's what God wants to do and he's called us to be part of it, it it's, it's an amazing reality. When I, uh, when I knew that I was going to get to preach this message, I was enthusiastic because it sort of tells us, it encapsulates everything important about experiencing God unreserved. Once we know that he's working, that he loves us and that he calls us into his work and that he speaks to us, then we're at least I am, always eager to hear what does he have to say? What's he going to tell us? And so today, as we um, move into that, I'm going to ask you or I'm going to tell you a question that people have asked me more than any other question. In my 35 years as a pastor, people have come to me every single year, multiple times in every single year, and they've asked me this question. How do I know when God is speaking to me? How do I know? That God is speaking to me. If God invites us to join Him in His work, well, then how do we know what particular part of the work He's inviting me to be involved in in my life, engaged in, as I go to school or I go to work or I stay at home and and bring up my children? How do I know when God is speaking to me? And that's what we're going to talk about today. The take-home point addresses a reality that we find in the Bible that's very helpful to this point. And the take-home point for those of you who are new is the one point I'm going to make from Scripture in the message that we want to take home and pray about, think about, and live out in the week ahead. So here it is. If anything is clear from reading the Bible, it is this. God speaks to his people. Here at New Life, the Bible is very important to us, and in many churches around the world it's very important because we believe it is the Word of God. And if you opened up this book, the Bible, in the very beginning in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, what you would find is God speaks to the first two people, Adam and Eve. Then he speaks to the next two people, Cain and Abel. And I'm not going to cover all the people he speaks to, but he speaks to Abraham and Sarah. He speaks to Isaac. He speaks to Jacob. He speaks to Re- Re- Rebecca and Rachel and Leah. He speaks to Joseph. He speaks to all these people. And that's just in the first book of the Bible. And throughout the Bible, we find that God speaks to us through prophets and through angels, through visions, He speaks through Jesus. When Jesus walked on the earth, every time Jesus opened up his mouth, he is God. So he speaks the word of God to people. And then after Jesus died and rose again and returned to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. And God speaks to the church through us, to us, through the Holy Spirit. And that was true in the book of Acts. We hear about it with Peter. We hear about it with a guy named Saul who became Paul. Even a woman named Lydia who probably only... Maybe only a few of you had ever heard her name from the scripture because there's just a few verses that said the Holy Spirit spoke to her and opened her heart to receive the good news. So God speaks to his people. Now, before we get into the content of what God speaks to us, I would like to sort of take it's just a, a little step back and say, if we're human beings and we've ever thought seriously about life, we've probably asked three questions. We've probably asked the question, who am I, which is the question of identity. We've probably asked the question, where am I going in life, which is the question of destiny. And we've probably asked the question, is there any meaning to the trip? In other words, is there any meaning or purpose to life? And in all of human history, only three ways to answer those questions have been devised by human beings. The first one is the way of the atheist and the agnostic who say, well, I don't know. I don't care. I don't think there's any answer. I don't think there's any meaning. And if there is, I can't figure it out. There is the way of the philosopher and the way of religion, which says we can make a guess. In fact, we're going to make a lot of guesses and we're going to say, this is what it is. This is what it is. This is what it is. And the third way of responding to the answer is the way of the Christian faith, which is to say it has already been revealed to us. God has told us who we are. God has told us where we're headed. God has told us about the meaning and purpose of life, and we find that as he speaks to us by the Holy Spirit in these four ways, through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church. Now, before we get into that, one more thing that we all need to acknowledge. Not everyone listens to what God says. Not everyone listens when God speaks Atheists and agnostics don't listen because they either don't believe or they don't care. Um, We have people who are guessing about what's going on in life, and they're not really listening either. But sometimes when people speak, people don't listen. And Jesus himself said this in John chapter 8, verse 47. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Now, the people Jesus said that to were Pharisees and teachers of religious law. They were people that everybody in Israel would have thought were listening to God and wanted to hear what God had to say. But Jesus said no. And it's always dangerous to base a message on one verse of Scripture, even if the message is coming out of the mouth of Jesus. So let me give you a little context of that one verse, John eight forty-seven. It comes from the chapter 8 of the book of John. And chapter 8 has two main events. And the first event probably most of us have heard of before if you've ever read the bible at all or been to Sunday school or you know been in some kind of bible study you probably heard about this woman who was caught in adultery and the religious leaders brought her to Jesus as a trap and the trap was if Jesus said to release the woman then the religious leaders would say that he didn't care about the law of Moses because the law of Moses said the woman had to be put to death for her sin and if Jesus said that that she should be put to death as the law of Moses required, then they would simply say, well, Jesus, why don't you show some mercy? So he was trapped. Well, that's what they thought. But Jesus is never trapped because he's God. And so Jesus looked at them and he said, yeah, okay, go ahead, stone her to death. And and then he added a, a statement. He said, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And so the religious leaders looked at each other and they probably looked down at the ground and One by one, they walked away. And there was just the woman and there was Jesus. And Jesus looked at the woman and he he asked her a question, you know, where are your accusers? Did no one condemn you? And the woman had said, no one, Lord. And so Jesus said this, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The situation shows us how clearly Jesus is God because he puts grace and truth together. The first thing he does, he shows the woman grace He says, I don't condemn you, but then he puts the truth of God right into the mixture when he says, so now go and don't sin anymore. Don't live this kind of life. I have shown you grace. God has shown you grace. So now live out his truth. Next, Jesus told the people. That he was the light of the world. That's what happens in John chapter 8. So the woman caught in adultery, that gets resolved. And then Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Anybody who walks in me will never know darkness. And the religious leaders come up and they argue with him again. And they say, what do you mean you're the light of the world? Who, who, who is going to bear testimony? In other words, they believe that two people had to testify to anything for it to be true. So who's your second witness? And they got into this debate and argument. And Jesus said, look, I am the truth. And if you know the truth, the truth is going to set you free. And, and so Jesus says, I am speaking God's word to you. So listen and be set free. It seems so wonderful. And that's the context in which Jesus says, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to God's words or the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Now, the religious leader's answer is, you know, sort of 2019. Here, let me give you the answer and then I'll explain what I mean by 2019. He says, they say this, you Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? In our day, what happens when somebody disagrees with us and they don't have a really good argument? They just shout. They scream. They give a racial slur or something like that, right? And that's what these people did because they didn't have an argument to stand up against what Jesus said. But here's the thing I want to ask all of us this morning. You know, if we belong to God, it says, we will, be, we will listen gladly to God's words. So do we? Do we listen gladly to God's words? Do we hear them when the Holy Spirit speaks to us? These are serious questions. If you were here for our previous series, which was called Experiencing Growth, you know that we talked about a spiritual growth continuum. And we said people start out as explorers. That means they're considering God and the ways of God and the things of God. They're not sure if there, if there is one, but they, they're open to the idea. And they're even open to the idea that Jesus is God. And, and at a certain point, an explorer becomes a believer. That's a person who believes in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then the next step is to become a disciple, which means a believer who starts to want to read the word of God and pray and and be in community and, and, and give and do the things that would be reflective of Jesus. And then finally, we become what's called spirit led followers of Jesus who let the spirit of God in our lives lead us. And in order for us to move along the continuum, something has to happen. We have to listen to what God says. An explorer has to listen to the truth that's found in scripture and, and perhaps in, in their heart as God leads them through their prayer and, and in circumstances in the church to believe that Jesus is the son of God and so on and so forth until we come to the point where we're listening to God in our lives and we're living out what he says for us to live out. So let's look at each of these four ways that we have said now that God speaks to us, by the Bible, by prayer, by the um, circumstance of our life, and through the church. So the first thing, God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit through the Bible. Now, we've already been reading the Bible, right? And I actually encapsulated all of chapter 8 of the Gospel of John. And the reason we do that here at New Life is because we believe that every time we open the Bible, God speaks. It's the Word of God. So God speaks to us when we open the Bible. Now, here's the thing. People have said to me, uh, when I read the Bible, I don't understand it. And I don't hear God speaking to me. If I right now turned off my microphone and turned away that way and I kept talking and you couldn't hear me, would that mean I wasn't speaking? Of course not. And in the same way, sometimes when we open up the word of God and we read it, but we don't understand it, it doesn't mean God isn't speaking. In fact, Henry Blackaby said this. In the book, Experiencing God, he said a person cannot understand spiritual truth unless the spirit of God reveals it. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. When you understand the spiritual meaning and application of a scripture passage, God's Holy Spirit has been at work. And remember, this is so important. This understanding does not lead you to an encounter with God. It is the encounter with God. When God speaks to you through the Bible, he is relating to you in a personal and real way. So, for example, when I was a teenager, I read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I believed, because I was a believer at the time moving towards a disciple, that God was speaking to me. Here's what it says. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as you read those words, as I read them, out loud, if you heard them or you read them up on the screen, God was speaking to you, just as He spoke to me when I was a teenager. And what I realized as a teenager was that Jesus was giving me a pattern for how I can be His witness, and giving all of us, actually, a pattern for how we can be His witness. And when witness is somebody who says what we've seen and heard, right, what we've experienced. And He said, "You start off in Jerusalem, which isn't really Jerusalem for us, for me, it's Cabot. For you, it might be Saxonburg or it might be Sarver, it might be Mars." PA. It could be any of those places, right? And and then he says, then you go to the next place, which was Judea, all of the country they're in. So that would be Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, whatever. And then he says to um, Samaria, which is the next door nation, in our case, probably the rest of the United States, and then to the ends of the earth. So as a teenager, I realized that if I wanted to listen to God's voice in my life, because he already spoke to me, and I wanted to do, gladly do what he said, then I would need to go out in these ever-increasing circles of influence to tell people about Jesus. And I remember the first time that I left the United States to go on a mission trip. George Trinidad and I went to Tacati, Mexico. I know it's not very far out of the United States, but just across the border from San Diego. Anyway, we were out of the country, and we were on a mission trip. And the, I don't remember a lot about that first trip. I do remember one thing. He and I were walking along, and I looked around, And it was the first time in my life when I was not just a minority, but I was the only white person in the entire place. Everybody else was Hispanic. And as I looked around, I I thought, I'll be just frank, these two things came to my mind. Number one, I'm glad I'm with George, because George, 20 years ago, and actually right now, I still wouldn't want to take him on. He used to be a boxer. He, he, He could protect me, I believed. And he spoke Spanish, the language of the people. But what, what, what else I remember from that is the sense of I'm doing what God wants me to do. And George and I had the chance to talk to people about Jesus and to serve people in Jesus' name. And when I came back home, I had the, 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 the sense that I had heard the voice of God in my life and I didn't realize at the time that I would be going to so many other places, China and Cambodia and Cuba and others. But as we listen to the word of God we hear God speak. It's his encounter, encounter with us. And, and so uh, God speaks to us through the Bible. The next thing is, God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit through prayer. So, another question people have asked me a lot during the years as a pastor is this one How can I know God is speaking to me in prayer and I'm not just thinking what I want God to say to me? You get that? Like you pray and all of a sudden something comes to your mind and you go, Oh, that's what I think God is saying to me. But it might really be just what, God, what, what you're saying to yourself. And you want to say it's God. Well, here's where we start. When we pray and God tells us something that contradicts the Bible, he's not telling us. God won't tell us because we're having money problems to go rob a bank. That, God won't tell us that. God won't tell us because we're having a bad time in our marriage that we should commit adultery. God won't tell us that we should tell a lie because it's easier than telling the truth. God will never tell us any of those things. So if we pray and ask God what we should do, and God's answer is contradictory to God's word, it's not God's answer. But the other thing that can happen, and actually, what I love about Henry Blackaby in experiencing God is he says, those four things aren't isolated things. Actually, they usually work together. We pray, we, we read the word of God, and we look at our circumstances, and we look at what the church is saying. That's, the, that's all of us. And, and when we bring those things together and they line up, God is usually speaking. For example, a couple of weeks ago, I told you about how back in January, I was listening to God, and I was. I was listening in prayer, and I heard God say that we are supposed to help churches in our region to reach out to their communities, to reach the lost, and to help them build leaders, and to help them go into their communities and make more of an impact. And so I listened halfway through the sentence, and I went, oh, I know what that means. We're supposed to have a transformation conference. But we planned a transformation conference, and nobody came. Nobody signed up, so we didn't have it. We canceled it. It's a good idea to cancel an event that nobody's going to come to, right? So anyway, um, my point is this. I did hear from God, we were supposed to do the things that I heard him say. But what happened just last week is I received a phone call in the church office and um, Rachel uh, you know, transferred the message to me. Uh, it, actually, the message said this guy, whose name I didn't know, um, wanted me to call him. Now, if you received a message that said, this guy that you don't know wants you to call him. I don't know about you, but ordinarily what I say is, no, I'm not calling him. I'm not gonna waste my time talking to somebody I don't know, right? Um, but... I heard God say, call him, so okay, so I called him, and he said, remember me? And I was like, "Mm, yeah, (laughs) I sort of lied, Uh, yeah. Tell me more about you. Yeah, well, he happens to come to New Life every Thanksgiving and Christmas. He visits his family because his family are members of New Life. And so he comes, and, and so he's an elder in his church, and the church is growing rapidly. It's in our region. And, uh, and he said, and the leaders of the church want to do some things that I don't know if it's the right thing to do. So I just called to get your advice. Should we be doing this? And what they wanted to do was plant a new church, take some people from their church and plant another church um, in their region. And I was like... Oh, that's exactly what I know what God wants us to do. So we talked for 15 minutes, and at the end of the conversation, he was, he was uh, a little more understanding of, yes, what he was being asked to consider was a good thing, and I was a little more understanding of, I can help people by just answering phone calls sometimes. You see, actually, that's part of the third thing that God does, uh, you know, what he does is he speaks to us through Circumstances. The phone call was a circumstance, right? I had prayed and God had answered in different ways. But the one way he just answered last week was through this circumstance, through this gentleman who needed some help and I was able to give it to him. And it was an answer to a prayer that I had prayed back in January. Now here, let's say you're praying and you say, God, I want you to use me in my life. And the very next day, somebody says to you, You know, I just found out I'm going to be coaching soccer in the spring. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to help me. I want to be used by God. i just prayed that the day before. And the next day, somebody asked me to help coach soccer. Now, that's a circumstantial connection. And what I'm not saying is definitely you should go coach soccer. But what I'm asking you to do is to consider this. Could that line up with the will of God in Scripture? Yes, because we're supposed to bring up, you know, children. Uh, in, in ways that, now with soccer, I'm not sure about soccer, but you know, honesty, integrity, hard work, all those kind of things. So, those are the kind of things that we could do. So, as we get circumstances coming up in our life, you know, I pray to God that I want to be used by God, and then I get an email that says there's three girls that need a home, and we have three empty bedrooms. Could those circumstances be lining up? Well, possibly. You see, there's all kind of ways it can happen. And the thing is, the last way, the fourth way that God speaks to us, which is by the church, um, is also part of this. And what does it mean God speaks to us by the church? How about you're in a small group? You're in a small group, and after four or five weeks in a small group, one of the members of the group says to you, you know, you should consider being a small group leader. You're so good with people and you understand the Bible, you really should consider being a small group leader. Or, or maybe somebody says to you after they're, you know, they come to your house and they bring their four little kids and you're so good with their four little kids and they say, hey, do you ever think about working in a galaxy, you know, working with the children at the church? You're so good doing that. Now, again, I'm not saying that's 100% sure that you should do that, but what I'm saying is you shouldn't ignore that because Jesus gives us the opportunity as a church, what the Apostle Paul had called to be the body of Jesus Christ. And I, I actually realized this at the last service. My fingers and hands and arms aren't really for talking, right? It's this thing, but I, I tend to talk when I'm excited with these things. But these really would be better to type. You know, I, I type throw baseball. My hands are better for throwing a baseball than my mouth, right? And if I tried to type with my ankles, it wouldn't work so well. But each of you, each of you, according to Paul, the apostle, is a member of the body of Jesus Christ. And so am I. And we all have a role to play. In fact, if you don't do what you are called and created to do, nobody else can do it. One of the things that we never do here at New Life is we never walk up to somebody who just came in the door for the very first time and say, Oh, look at you. You're alive. We need somebody to work in the nursery this week. Would you do that? We don't do that here at New Life. Here at New Life, what we do is, you know, when you go through basic or when you go through growth track, we talk about gifts and skills and and spiritual gifts and how, you know, God made you in a unique way to do certain things. And, And as a body of Jesus Christ, we help each other identify what God created us to do. So if we're going to join God in his work... One of the ways that God accomplishes that is through his body. And it doesn't always mean doing something here at New Life. It could mean doing something at your work, at your school, or even going out into the broader world and doing something for him. So God speaks to us in all of these ways by the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church. And then here's the question. When God speaks to us, do we say yes or no? You know, Jesus said, Those who hear God and and know God gladly listen. Well, listen doesn't just mean sit here and hear what I'm saying. But it means for us to go out then and do what God calls us to do. And so that's the next step, actually, for today. And if you are not uh, haven't been here before, the next step is the, the action point. What are we going to do as a result of being here? Here it is. I will listen as God speaks to me through the Bible, prayer, my circumstances, and the church. Now, imagine what's going to happen when all of us in all four of the services, all the people watching online, listen to God speaking to us through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church, and then listen obviously means more than just hear, but do. What will happen? What will happen is we'll experience God unreserved, and then the community here in Saxonburg, in our region, and, and our nation, and the world will be transformed. And you're going, oh, come on, Chris. That's a little bit much, don't you think? The world's going to be changed because people in Saxonburg hear the Bible and hear in prayer and hear in circumstances and hear in, through the church God speaking and decide to join him in his work. Well, let me just tell you something. When Jesus walked the earth, he chose 12 guys. One of them obviously rebelled against him and, and ended up killing himself, so there was 11 guys. And then Jesus replaced that guy with a guy named Paul, so there were 12 guys. And those 12 guys changed their world. And here at New Life, the people that call New Life their church home, it's 1,200 people. So we have 100 times more people than Jesus had when he started. Imagine if 100 times more people than Jesus had when he started all decided that each one of us decided that every one of us was going to listen to God and listen to the invitation and then do what only we could do. If we all did that, I guarantee you, we would feel that in Pittsburgh, and in Harrisburg, and in San Francisco, and in Santiago de Cuba. I'm just saying, I think we might feel that this week. Okay? So, all in, unreserved, experiencing God, listening to His voice, doing His will, changes the world. That's the equation. Anybody down with that? Up with that? Doesn't matter. They both mean the same. Anybody? Okay, few people are. Good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and love. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to hear your voice and then in the power of your Holy Spirit to do your will. God, I pray that each one of us and every one of us here today will listen. And when you speak to us in the ways you speak to us, through your word and through prayer and through circumstances and through your church, that we will listen and do what you call us to listen and do in our lives. And God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to fill us up to overflowing so that as we go out, we will put into practice this reality and so that our lives and our schools and our workplaces and our homes and our communities, our region, our nation, and our world will be transformed to your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.